Turn with me to the book, 2 Chronicles, chapter 18. I'm going Old Testament. Is that okay? Okay. Five of you think so. That's good. Tough crowd. 2 Chronicles, chapter 18. We're going to get into the New Testament. I thought I'd start off in the Old Testament. Why don't we have a word of prayer before we move forward in the Word? It's our desire that the Holy Spirit navigates us through this teaching. And touches our lives and marks us um, unto his glory and his satisfaction. Father, we, we ask, Lord, that your presence would fill me, the messenger, God, with um, clarity and unction. Father, Holy Spirit, would you deliver your word to these people? Would you do such a work within our hearts and spirits today? Transform us into the image of your Son. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 18. Again, I'm going to pretty much uh, give a quick summary of the first 11 verses just for the sake of time. Uh, I'm going to give you the storyline and then we're going to pick up right at verse 12 and we're going to get into it. Essentially what's taking place here is there's a king. His name is Ahab, King Ahab. He is the king of Israel at this time and there's a man named Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is not a king but yet he must be a man of wealth and influence because he's got a rather large posse. He's got an army. He's got a group of guys that will do anything at any time for him. And so King Ahab and Jehoshaphat sit down for a little meeting, and their heart is to essentially bring about a, um, a unity, a campaign to merge their armies together um, to overtake or to take over the land of um, Gileath, uh, hold on, let's, let me pronounce this right. Ramoth Gilead. Essentially, they know that they cannot go and defeat the army of Ramoth Gilead without one another. So they come up with a great idea to merge the armies. Someone say, merge the armies. Okay. I know I'm not as good looking as my wife, but please look at me as if I am. Thank you. I think you're very good looking, Matthew. It's scary. That was a joke, guys. Lighten up. It's okay. It's okay. We can laugh in church. We can have fun. So the idea of, sorry, that's a little loud. The idea of uh, Jehoshaphat and King Ahab is to merge their armies to essentially go into the land of Ramoth Gilead, take it over, take their goods, and set up camp. Now, King Ahab, as he always is, is very uh, quick to just plunge into this, but Jehoshaphat is a little reluctant. He's a little hesitant. He's not sure. So he encourages King Ahab to go get um, all the prophets of Israel. Now, these are prophets who speak on the Lord's behalf. He encourages Ahab to go get them, bring them back so that they can hear and get the counsel of the Lord. And so Ahab, obedient to what Jehoshaphat wants, sends out, and they roughly gather around 400 prophets. There must be some sense of concern in Jehoshaphat to have 400 prophets come in just to give you the word of the Lord to see if it's all right if you go in and you conquer this land and you have the Lord's blessing. So anyways, 400 prophets come in and unanimously, I'm sorry, I butchered that word, across the boards, all the prophets agreed that it would be good and they would be blessed and they would have favor if they went into Ramoth Gilead to siege the land. And so... With this, it only built King Ahab's confidence even more. But 
Jehoshaphat is still a little reluctant. He said, listen, Ahab, is there, is there any more prophets in the land that could come and give us a word? And I'm sure reluctantly and hesitantly, King Ahab said, yes, there is. There's a man named Micaiah. He's a prophet. And what you have to understand about this prophet is that King Ahab didn't like him because for the most part, Micaiah always prophesied a negative word or, or what Ahab said was things that really brought trouble for me, as Ahab said. I think it's in verse uh, 7 here. It says, the king of Israel replied Jehoshaphat, there is one more man who could consult the Lord for us, but I hate him. That's the kind of prophet you want. He never prophesies anything but trouble for me. His name is Micaiah, son of something. I'm not even going to pronounce that word because it just would be wrong. And so, essentially, what happens is King Ahab agrees with Jehoshaphat and he sends a messenger for Micaiah. I'm sure reluctantly, again, he did this. But let's pick up in verse 12. It says here, Meanwhile, the messenger who went to get Micaiah said to him, Look, all the prophets are promising victory for the king. Ooh. Be sure to agree with them. Now, I don't know about you, but Micaiah sounds like my man. Here's a man that probably essentially has been um, just done away with, deemed as that doom and gloom prophet. Because he obviously wasn't included in the 400 prophets that first gave counsel to King Ahab and Jehoshaphat about to go into the land of Ramoth Gilead. And here's Micaiah, probably uh, a lone soldier. And Ahab breaks down and says, listen, go get him, go get him. And then the messenger that goes and gets him says, listen, Micaiah, you just need to follow suit, friend. You just need to go along with the story. Listen, Micaiah, it's 401. The, the prophets have already said that, that King Ahab and Jehoshaphat will be favored. Just go along with the program. What does Micaiah say in 13? Verse 13 of 2 Chronicles 18, he says, But Micaiah replied, As surely as the Lord lives, I will only say what the Lord tells me. Now that's the kind of man you want to seek the counsel from. That's the kind of man that when you're unsure of what the Lord wants to do, you go to that man. But see, this man, again, had been kind of pushed off into isolation and obscurity. Why? Because the words he gave troubled. They brought trouble to King Ahab. Let's pick up in 14. When Micaiah arrived before the king, Ahab asked him, Micaiah, should we go to war against Ramoth Gilead? Or should I hold back? Now, I like this man because right here in the second half of 14, Micaiah replied sarcastically. I'm a very sarcastic man. That didn't really follow suit with a lot of you, but I love this man. Why? One, he speaks the truth. Two, he's sarcastic. I love it. And sarcastically, Micaiah, he responds, yes, go up and be victorious, for you will have victory over them, blah, 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 blah. Let me just tell you what you want to hear. King Ahab retorts, and he says, but the king replied sharply in verse 15, how many times must I demand, now, this is probably not what 
Ahab wanted to say, but he said it anyways. He says, how many times have I demand, demanded that you speak only truth to me when you come and speak for the Lord? I'm sure right then and there, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Micaiah, and this is what he says. Micaiah told him, in a vision, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep. This is in verse 16, without a shepherd. And the Lord said, their master has been killed. Ooh. Send them home in peace. And then in verse 17, Ahab replies, didn't I tell you? The king said to Jehoshaphat, he never prophesies anything but trouble for me. So essentially, the 400 prophets were right. If they go into the land with their armies, with the alliance that they've created, and they launch this campaign against Ramoth Gilead, they're going to be victorious. But what's going to happen is the little twist in the story is King Ahab is going to die, according to Micaiah. And essentially, if you follow this text all the way through, you find that's exactly what happened. Jehoshaphat was spared, but King Ahab had died. Now, there's many things in this text that kind of awaken my heart. They, first of all, I just love this prophet. I love this prophet. Because in the midst of his obscurity, in the midst of his isolation, in the midst of him really not probably fitting in with the 400, and who knows, there may, there may be even more prophets, but that's how many they gathered. He still comes and he is sincere in delivering only what the Lord speaks. Now, I wonder, you know, being in the charismatic uh, life stream, whatever you want to call it for a while, I wonder how many of those 400 prophets knew that King Ahab was going to die in this war, but held back their tongue. And didn't speak the truth. And why do I say that? Because much like this day, we kind of can see ourselves in this kind of weird day that we live in where prophets are speaking, our men or women of God are only speaking exactly what we want to hear. What our itching ears long to hear. But I think what the Lord wants, I don't think, what I, I know what the Lord wants to bring about in this day is young Micaiahs, young prophets that regardless of what other prophets are prophesying, what, regardless of, of what other preachers are preaching, only speak for the Lord or only speak what the Lord has given them. Two of you guys think that's a good idea. All through the New and Old Testament, we see that such is true. People were known as troublers. Did you know that King Ahab, I don't know if it's the same King Ahab in 2 Chronicles as it is in 1 Kings and 2 Kings, but how many know that King Ahab himself had a troubler? He deemed, the prophet Elijah, he deemed him, he gave him a name, and he called him the troubler of Israel. I mean, how many would like President Obama to tag you as the troubler of America? We probably would have demonized Elijah in his day. 
Who is that crazy man? We look at it today, and it's like, oh, yeah, this guy is good. This is legit. But I wonder how many of us, if we were in that day, at that time, experiencing uh, the prophet Elijah's ministry, how many of us would have been warm and fuzzy and said, this is the man of God. I'm not saying all of us would do that. I sometimes put my own heart there. I think about Christ. And many of us love the gospel, don't we? Look, look at this man. Look at his ministry. But yet, how many of us have, any, have ever put ourselves in the shoes of the Pharisees, the people who were kind of reluctant and scared of Jesus, even to the point that they killed him? See, we know that it was the foreknowledge of God to put Christ on the cross for our sins, to reconcile us to God, don't we? But in their minds, they were crucifying a blasphemous heretic. Jesus was controversial, friend. The church is so politically correct. We don't upset the apple cut. Listen, I know we have to speak the truth in love. I get it. But that's only fruitful out of the motivation of our heart. What am I saying? That the power of truth is really stored up in what motivates our hearts to deliver that truth. You get what's driving me? What's the motivation? And I wonder... Many times I've wondered, what would be my response if I was a young man, a young Pharisee, a, a, a scribe who studied the law? What would be my response to some man saying he's the son of God? Well, I, I don't know. I'd like to think it would be good, but oftentimes I don't think so. I don't think so. You would probably put me in the category of kill him. How about Paul? In Acts chapter 19, Paul goes into the city of Ephesus, its longest ministry journey to date in the New Testament. He sets up camp. Why? Because there is an epidemic of idol worship where it's driving the economical system of, of the city of Ephesus. It's the main thrust. People are buying this idol. I don't even know her name, but it's hot. It's a hot item. It's like I don't know, wearing a Beyonce shirt. I, I don't know. I'm not into it, but maybe you are. But it, it was like that. And Paul sets up camp in Acts chapter 19. And he literally brings trouble to the whole system where people are burning their altars. Just picture a big old bonfire. People just, boom, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Throwing it in there. And then all of a sudden, the whole selling Buying this idol stops to the point where the guys, the craftsmen, have to come together and have a meeting. I'm sure that didn't make a lot of people happy. And all throughout the New and Old Testament, we see the church to be such a light, to be such an irritant. I said that right. Friend, the truth sometimes offends. There's this brilliant, I used to thought, think it was a proverb, but it's not. <laughs> One of my friends searched, he's like, Daryl, where did you get that from? I said, it's, it's a proverb, dude. Maybe I read it on a fortune cookie. I don't know. 
But I'm like, no, dude, you search it out. And, you know, lucky me, this brother searched it out. <laughs> he looked, he's like, dude, it's, I don't think it's proverb, dude. I'm like, okay. I surrender all. No, but it was actually John Howard. And he searched, he couldn't find it. Yeah, but there was this, this song that I used to listen to. It's by a man named Kevin Prosh. And there was this one lyric where he said, you offended my mind but you revealed my heart. Isn't that just the truth about God's truth? There's, there's something where Ahab was aggravated by Micaiah. Why? Because um, Micaiah spoke the truth. He didn't give the king what he wanted to hear. He didn't join in with the 400 under the instruction of the messenger. He gave what he heard from God. And the main reason... Why Micaiah was tossed aside was because his words troubled the king. But yet, his words were true. His word was the word of the Lord. Friends, sometimes God brings forth truth in our life to reveal our hearts. And oftentimes, I don't know about you, but in my life, it doesn't always feel good. There's this hyper grace, hyper love movement in the church today where it's just tell me something good. I love it. Listen, I'm not saying that God doesn't, isn't always kind and His truth isn't always merciful. It doesn't bring joy or hope. Certainly it does. Certainly it does. But man, there's a truth that scars. There's a truth that reveals the inner man. And man, when that revelation goes off, or when that revealing happens, friend, it doesn't always feel good. I don't know if you've ever had dreams about being naked in a large crowd. I haven't, but I've heard they're pretty scary. And often when God shines His big light on us, it can feel like that, right? Truth can sometimes offend, friend. It sometimes can bring trouble. It sometimes can go against those nice little things of which maybe our friends tell us, you know, about the love of God and the, God, the love that God has for us. And I, I love that. But man, I've been more transformed. This is just my own testimony about the truth that has cut my heart when Jesus says, Daryl, this is who you really are, this is your real attitude. This is what you said about your brother yesterday. This is how you talk to your wife. That stuff, man, doesn't necessarily go over well with us, doesn't it? When a prophet stands up and he talks about hard things. Man, we want to get our mind stones out. Do curse you. Behind me, Satan. Satan gets the cred, doesn't he, for a lot of things he most likely shouldn't, friend. Sometimes what's troubling us is the truth. Sometimes what's troubling our hearts is the relentless pursuit of God's truth. <laughs> Saying, no, Daryl, this is who you really are. This is what you said. And God isn't some big, mean guy with a magnifying glass trying to kill us all. No. I've seen that every time he has torn me down or torn my heart with the truth, it's only to build me up. Come on. 
Oh, but we don't like this. We don't like this type of truth. Friend, we're going to be awful surprised when we get before the judgment seat of Christ. This is easy. This is easy. You ought to hear it now. Because it's going to feel like you're naked in a big group of people when the judgment seat of Christ comes. I'm not trying to give you fear. I'm just trying to say this is real. This is real. Christ is coming back. And He will judge the living and the dead. Those who believe and those who don't. Don't stone me, man. It's in the book. Read it. A lot of us have a problem with the truth. Why? Because we are biblically ignorant. We'd rather stay dumb biblically. I, don't look at me weird. I've been there too. Because there's this, there's this blissfulness about just closing it. I don't want to see it. I don't know. God loves me. But that's why Jesus at the, the well with the women, he said, listen, honey, the day is going to come where worshipers will not just worship me in spirit. You know, the church today has a lot of spirit going on. Got a lot, especially the cares. We got spirit coming out of our nostrils, ears, eyeballs. I mean, it's spirit, spirit, spirit. But we are, there is such a lack of truth. And you know what? That day when Jesus confronted that woman at the well in love, the same epidemic was going on. They were worshiping God. They were gathered around the presence of God. They knew Yahweh. But there was an absence of truth. And there's an absence of truth in the church. Why? Because we can't, I believe, we can't accept that the fact is truth sometimes hurts. It hurts so good. Oh, baby, make it hurt so good. You ever heard that song, Am I the Only One? Some of you look at me like I got five heads. It's a song. Oh, baby. No? Okay. Sometimes love don't feel like it should. So, so good. We covered this, guys. The way the Lord relates or interfaces with us is like we are his children. He is our father, right? And according to Hebrews, what does he do as a, as to his children? He disciplines how does he discipline? With truth. Why are we so afraid of those words? Why is it in 2014 those words have become bad in the church? Why? Friend, we need a revelation of God's truth. And the great thing is it's always uh, seasoned in love. It's always seasoned in love. The very motivation of God's heart is one of love. He doesn't just come and, and beat us up uh, without that, that impulse, that, that, that sureness of love in his heart for us. I'm so glad. Listen, I am so glad that God has never left me to myself. I'm so happy that God has never let me get too far in my own thoughts, in my own deception, in my own rationale. I'm so glad that God in His kindness has always come to, just like the psalmist said, speak the truth. You offended my mind, but you revealed my heart. Man, what, what if that was the cry of God's people in this hour? God, God, give me the truth. Reveal my heart. David said, search me and know me, God. Find if there be any wickedness in me. 
What, what happened to that heart in the church? I'm not saying we're all there, but there needs to be more of it. God, reveal my heart. It's okay if you offend me. Why? Because you love me. And you're not going to leave me offended. The worst thing to do, friend, is when God shines that big light on your heart, is just fall into it. Just, here I am. With all the pain, all the confusion it may bring, all the, um, uh, you know, what he's saying or what she's saying, what this person is preaching, what this person is preaching, what this man is preaching. You just lean in to God. Some of the best moments in my life, in my walk with Christ, are in those moments. It's in those valleys, the Lord just hedging me in and working on my heart. Amen? Just read the statement. Throughout history, many people have paid supreme prices for truth. Many Old Testament prophets were imprisoned, tortured, and even slain because they stood for truth. All but one of Jesus' apostles were killed for preaching the true gospel. And surely the greatest example of one who paid the price for truth is Jesus Christ himself. When asked whether he was Christ, the Son of God, Jesus affirmed it to be true, and it cost him his life. Proverbs 23, verse 23 says, buy the truth. Buy it. Purchase it. And don't sell it. It's a value. It's, it's of great value. This verse teaches us to exert whatever effort is necessary to obtain truth. And having obtain, obtained it, do not give it up, no matter what the cost. Friend, it will cost us something to walk in the truth. Bad things happen when good people do nothing about them. 90% of the crisis happening in America today and in the nations of the earth is the church has become too quiet. Not pointing the finger, but we've become too quiet to be salt and light in the nation. And I know, I know most of us, we just want to be quiet. Why? Because... It causes too much trouble, and a lot of times you see a lot of weird church people doing a lot of weird things. You're just like, no, we don't. Like those dudes here, you know, they're trying to get people saved or whatever, and they're, they're walking around with signs, you're going to burn in hell. I mean, come on. How's that going to work? Truth will cost us. The truth is best communicated when the motivation is love. Ephesians 4.15. Let's look at John 8.31 if we could. Our last point of truth here for the day. We all know this scripture. This is in verse uh, 31 of uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you truly are my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, by the words of Christ, we know that truth 
has power. We know that truth does something. What? It sets us free. Now, the people's response in verse 33 were natural and something that obviously Jesus at this point of his ministry was used to. They said, but we are descendants of Abraham. They said, we have never been slaves to anyone. Could you imagine this? Israel saying this? You've never been slaves to anyone. Really? What do you mean when you say we will be free? Now, the word free in um, John uh, 8.33 is different than the word free in John 8.32, if you study it in the Greek. The word, uh, or the Greek meaning of the word free in John 8.32 means to make free, to set at liberty from the dominion of sin. The Greek meaning for the word free in John 8.33 means freedom, or freeborn, in a civil sense, one who is not a slave, one who ceases to be a slave, freed, free, exempt, unrestrained, not bound by any obligation, in an ethnic sense, free from the yoke of Mosaic law. So in essence, the people that Jesus was addressing was his followers in what we call, I guess, or what they called themselves, descendants of Abram, Abraham. And in their mind, they thought that Jesus was going to set them free from some kind of civil matter or some kind of nation that wanted to make them slaves. And essentially what Jesus was saying, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. What, the kind of freedom I'm talking about here is the freedom from sin, the dominion of sin. Again, truth has the power to deliver us from what? The dominion of sin. Now, what is truth to us today in? Where do we look for the truth? Well, we have a great resource. It's called the Bible. A lot of people want to do away with it. You know what I've been so aggravated lately? It's good charismatic men saying, listen, it's not God the Son in the Holy Bible. It's God the Son in the Holy Spirit. I get that. I love the Holy Spirit. But man, this is an important tool. We get rid of this, friend, and we get rid of a lot. A lot is at stake, and we have good, charismatic Christians out there making a mockery of this thing. I'm just going to say it how it is. I, listen, I used to make those statements, but we cannot get rid of the precious value of the Word of God. Two of you guys think so. That's awesome. I hope to get the rest of you by the end. We can't. There is tr- Have you ever just read this book and just suddenly that freedom that Christ is talking about? Don't worry, they're not leaving because they're offended. They're leaving because they're setting up our cookout. Okay? We love you guys. Just thought I'd say that. That's cool, right? Yeah? Like that, huh? You're all like, man, see, he's scaring them all away. No, 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 not at all. This is a great resource, friend. But if you ever just gave yourself to the study of this book, and as you peer open the pages and you read the words, man, there is such an overwhelming sense that can sometimes grip you of freedom in your heart. Freedom, just... 
Like, I know a lot of people have just experiences where the Holy Spirit just breaks in, maybe through a dream or, I don't know, maybe just a, a, a time uh, of prayer. But man, I have found more freedom in this book than I think that any resource anywhere. And can I just say, friend, we are to never um, devalue the precious value of the Word of God. Never. 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 Man, friend, Paul, all throughout the gospel was saying, listen, you beware, beware of people who try to twist what we've preached. You, listen, be aware, be sober. They're out there. This word, guys, people try to twist it to their own means, in their own uh, um, uh, benefits. And we have to be careful and give ourselves to the study of the word. Listen, even what I'm talking about today, give yourself to looking at what the word says. Don't take my word for it. You know, 90% of us wouldn't give a, get offended with a, a pastor or a teacher. Anyway, if they would just go home, look, o- look over the scripture, and, and really get their own judgment or their own assessment of the scripture. But we don't. Don't ever, ever, ever let anybody lead you away from this truth that's found in this word. Yes, the Holy Spirit, love them. Unfortunately, a lot of dudes discredit the Holy Spirit and scare a lot of people away from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is needed. It's needed. So one, the truth will cost us. Two, the truth is always best communicated. It's always best delivered when the motivation is love. And three is the truth has the power to set you free. Listen, if you're dealing with confusion in your mind, if you're dealing with doubt, depression, I'm not here to just, some of us are just looking for prophets, prayer, somebody lay their hands on. Listen, this book right here could set you free if you just crack it open and look at it and believe the words on the pages. All right, he's got a couple more of you. Great, that's awesome. It's awesome. Thank you for your support. The truth has the power to set us free. Come on, who doesn't want to be free? Some of you guys are like on the treadmill of life. Just want, when can I get off? And you're not even losing any weight. You're just, (laughs) 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 Some of you have just become content with going around and 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 around. And you're saying to your spouse, haven't we been here before? No, I could swear. I, I, I swear this is the same place we were last week. Yeah, yeah. Why do we settle in? Guys, there's so much more. When Jesus says, listen, there's a truth, and in that truth, there's a power to set you free. Hey, listen, we buy the new medicine that's, uh, or the new fat burner that's on the market. We buy this, we buy that, anything that's going to lift. Tuck it, nip it, we got it. Why not just give ourselves to the truth? I picked up Isabella. You guys make me work hard. My God, good night. Hard crowd, man, hard crowd. Listen, we have all the resources we need. We don't need to look to a man. We need to look to the man, Jesus Christ. Stop making excuses. 
Stop being ignorant when it comes to the word of God. Give yourself to the study. Listen, oh, my life is too busy. Well, listen, you can keep on running on the treadmill if you want, but there's only one thing that's going to break the cycle. Get in the word. Get in prayer. Stop looking for this conference, that conference, this man, that brand, that new worship team. It's just enough already. Enough! Keith Green said, oh, I'm a good, good, good company. So my three points of the day is, again, <laughs> he's bearing witness. That's got to be my son. He's like, yes. <laughs> again, recap quickly. The truth will cost us. I've never met a person. It's a funny story. My wife probably shouldn't, but she did. Uh, she put this post on Facebook. She was seeing a lot of blog, uh, blogs where um, pastors and Christians were cussing to get their point across. She saw a lot of her good Christian friends just writing statuses that had swears, and she's like, what's the point? And so she didn't call out anybody specifically, but she called out the, the nature, the why. Why are we doing this as Christians? It's not acceptable. And the backlash was interesting. It was, uh, we didn't expect it, but I woke up the next morning. I was like, good God. Man, people got a lot to say about this. But she stood for something. I heard this saying once, if you, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And the church is kind of like in that stage of just like falling for anything. What's the new doctrine? What's the new message? What's the new worship team? What's the new, new, new? Give me the new, new, new. Give me the new, new, new. You know, we have, and we don't know by this point that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I mean... Friend, there is nothing new under the sun. Have you read the book of Ecclesiastes? It's not new. It's just that the church has stepped into it. They actually got a new revelation, I guess, if you would, of God. It's, he's always been the same. We just finally, whoa, well, this is different. Where was I going? But my wife takes a stance, and she rocks. I'm so proud of her, and it, it caused a little bit of backlash, and some of you probably should have responded, and you didn't. That's okay. You can hide. That's all right. Closet Christian, I get it. I get, I get you, but I, I fought for my girl. <laughs> That's right. Put my own little, put my own little opinion up there. But I was so proud of her that she took a stance in a rather controversial issue with the loose language of the church. Um, and uh, she had a lot of her good friends just call her out on the carpet, man, just say, well, this is unloving and so on and so forth. Listen, the truth will cost you something. It costs you friends. It will cost you relationships. It will cost you coworkers. It will cost you this, cost you that. It will cost you something. The truth is always best communicated when it's motivated from a heart of love, and the truth has the power to set us free. Amen? Stand to your feet. Let's get some um, music going. and um, We're not going to do an altar call, but... Um, we're going to look to Jesus for a little bit. <laughs> Again, just uh, be sure that we have a cookout after the service. Don't be scared by my message. Please come. I'm not a scary guy. I just love Jesus. Can we just lift our hands towards heaven? And in our own prayers before the Lord today, can we just commit ourselves to the truth? Not to my um, opinion of the truth, but to God's outlook of the truth. Can we just commit ourselves to walking, to stewarding, to not compromising? Come on, just in your own 
conversation with God right now. Commit yourself to the truth. Friend, I believe in the days to come, it will be harder and harder to commit ourselves to speaking the truth. I believe that people will be persecuted, not just verbally, not just on Facebook, but I believe we're heading into a day where Christians will die. Yes, in America for their faith, for standing for the truth. That may be a radical statement, but I can prove you to that in Scripture. Guys, Jesus is committed to the truth. We need to commit ourselves to the truth and not be those angry Christians pointing our fingers at the wrong of the world, but being motivated as Christ was motivated out of love and speaking the truth. So in your own conversation with God, commit yourself to the truth, to the word of God. A lot of your friends need the truth. A lot of your co-workers, a lot of students around you, and your mouth has been quiet. And this makes God sad. I want to say this. Blessed are those who are not ashamed of the gospel. Father, break shame off of us today. Lord, that we might bring this good news out of the four walls of the church into the public square into our campuses, God, into our workplaces, God, I ask in Jesus' name, Lord, would you do a work within us? Would you give us a love for the truth, not to suppress it, not to suppress it, God, with lies, but to walk in it, take two seconds, talk to God. It's time to speak the truth. You know, the Holy Spirit presses it upon your heart. You start to sweat. You start to feel like, God, should I share it? Yes, you should. Don't be worried about what to say, but believe that the Lord will fill you with the words of the Holy Spirit when you're needed. Father, we want to lean in, Lord, to the truth. We want to lean in to speaking the truth in love. Jesus, will you help us? We want to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Is everybody all right? Everybody good? Listen, if you need to take some more time with God, come on, go ahead. Take some time. You don't just need to go through the emotions of church. We want to encounter God. We don't just want to have a nice little message, good, decent music. We want to touch and be touched by the heart of God. Amen. So if you need to take some more time, 
take that time. Will will play a little bit. Uh, I'm going to cut it here just because we have to get over to the cookout. But um, as he plays the pad, feel free to hang out in the presence of God. And um, yeah, amen. We love you guys. Everybody doing all right? Okay. Amen. We love you.